This episode is sponsored by Nor Shipping, the must-attend place to be for networking, knowledge sharing, and building partnerships. And it's your arena for ocean solutions. Nor Shipping is taking place at Lillestrøm and Oslo, Norway, from the 6th to the 9th of June. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to talk about container ships and alternative fuels. This is my colleague Ian Lewis. I'm the container shipping correspondent for Tradewinds. I've been doing it for the past 10 years, so I've seen the uh, ups and downs of container shipping. I came into it when there was a terrible crisis and all uh, container shipping was owned by German ship owners. And they, over the course of the subsequent decade, most of them seem to have gone out of business or went bankrupt and uh, other people have gradually taken over. One key theme that Ian's been covering in the container shipping space is alternative fuels. In a shipping industry that's been accustomed to, essentially, one type of fuel for longer than anyone can remember, the players in the container space have been early adopters of alternative fuels. There's, there's a bit of a history to it, and it seemed with each fuel, there seemed to be a market leader. I mean, 10 years ago, of course, you saw CMA CGM starting to pioneer LNG. And then five years ago, they, they went and... Uh, pioneered that. They went and placed some big orders. And uh, for, for two or three years, it was all LNG and container shipping. LNG, or liquefied natural gas, was first a solution to reduce sulfur emissions. But it was later touted as a way to cut carbon, especially if it's made from greener forms of methane, though that has become a subject of debate because of methane's climate impact. This is Farid Trod head of energy and financial markets at CMA-CGM, speaking on a company YouTube video in January 2022. The CMA-CGM group has been committed for several years to reducing its carbon footprint with the objective of reaching zero net carbon emissions by 2050. The energy transition of our fleet is a key element of our strategy. That is why we have chosen liquefied natural gas and are developing a fleet of vessels that is compatible with this more responsible energy source and which represents a first step toward the decarbonization of maritime transport. By the end of 2020, and in collaboration with Total Energies, we successfully carried out the first LNG bankering operation of a 23,000 container vessel, or CMACGM Jaxade, and it was in the port of Rotterdam. And during this symbolic operation, we introduced biomethane in a quantity equivalent to 13% of the final bunkered volume, thus further improving the environmental performance of the vessel. The picture started to change about two years ago, with AP Molar Maersk taking the mantle of methanol, which can cut carbon today and potentially offer a net zero option when captured carbon and green hydrogen are used to produce it. I mean, until two years ago, no one had actually thought of methanol, you know, Merce came forward and said, we're going to leapfrog LNG, we're going to go straight to methanol. And they decided to take up the baton and pioneer methanol thing, because it was always the same argument with LNG or methanol, you, you know, you, it was the chicken or egg situation, you had to have either the shipping companies to stimulate demand or the uh, fuel manufacturers to 
be sure that there was enough demand for their products. Maersk decided to put the chicken and egg scenario to rest by ordering a stack of container ships and then going out to procure a green methanol. This is Maersk's chief executive, Vincent Clerk, speaking on CNN recently to discuss the upcoming first ship. This is a real milestone for us, uh, where a lot of the decision and the work that we have made on our energy transition and our, our journey to net zero is actually really taking a very, very concrete phase with this new ship uh, that is about to join our fleet uh, here over the summer. Uh, this uh, over 100 years now of running on diesel or bunker fuel uh, and now a transition that starts towards methanol and, uh, and a net zero. It's the first of, of many, but it's going to be uh, something quite significant and we're going to do something with it to actually demonstrate and show to both our customers, our public and, and also uh, public uh, authorities and so on that where there is a will, there is a way. And uh, we, we have taken quite a few risks to have the ships at the time where we ordered it. The green methanol that we need to power it was not available. And we have worked since then to secure that methanol. And, and I think that this will really be a, a first very important step on our transition and a clear also leading example for what the industry can do when it puts its mind to it. The next alternative fuel on container shipping's horizon is ammonia. If shipping is to strive for zero emissions, this is a very appealing option. It has no carbon in its molecule and, when made from green hydrogen, it has the potential to have no greenhouse gas emissions all the way up its value chain. This week, Ian reported that the world's biggest liner operator, MSC, has supported a project to design a container vessel that can run on ammonia. With ammonia, it's, um, it's still, you know, the verdict's still out. There still, seem, there still seems to be the need for a market leader there. I mean, I'd argue that uh, someone like MSC should probably step in there and pick up that baton or a significant player because they, at the moment they seem to have been always in that group that's followed and hedged their bets on the other fuels. So what you have is a group of container carriers that have taken a variety of paths toward decarbonization. Though, to be fair, there remain some that are still on the fence. I crunched some numbers on the more than 900 container ships on order at shipyards, and I found 624 vessels with no alternative fuels. It takes a while to build a ship, so many of those vessels were ordered a few years ago. They will run primarily on marine fuel oil, though they can use biofuels, and some have been made ready for a future decision to install LNG, methanol, or ammonia technology. 195 vessels are being built to run on LNG, most of them ordered between 2020 and 2022. But Maersk started something with its pioneering 2021 orders, and there are 76 methanol-fueled vessels on the order book. As of this year, you've seen the shift away from LNG towards methanol like never before. I think until about one month ago, nearly all the orders this year were uh, methanol. It was, it, was, it was incredible. And increasingly, that fuel, that alternative fuel is becoming the fuel of choice, prioritized by all the uh, liner operators. You've still got some or orders going out there. Yang Ming have recently placed their orders for 15,000 TEU LNG vessels, so there are still some. But it was it was incredible. It was the, the fewer ships ordered, fewer container ships ordered in the year to date compared with last year's record year, but nearly all of them until early March were methanol. Different fuels mean different appeals to customers. Ian wrote in our TW Plus magazine recently how MSC and Maersk, which were formerly partners in their 2M alliance, have now gone their own ways strategically. And part of that is their fuel choice. MSC has been scooping up secondhand vessels and building market share while looking at alternative fuels with a more cautious stance. The company has an order book of LNG-fueled vessels 
and it offers to its customers voyages powered by biofuels. Chief Executive Soren Toft has pointed out that there is not enough green methanol out there to power the ships that have been ordered. MSC have been either cautious or they've not taken up their role as the world's biggest container shipping line and actually pushed forward as, as some of the other guys have done. Sorrentoft about three weeks ago was saying that we will have to uh, diversify our fuels. We don't want to put all our eggs in one basket, which is a pretty sensible way to go forward, I suppose. But it was interesting to talk about even, even MSC, even Sorrentoft was saying we will increasingly look towards uh, methanol for retrofits. I mean, most of their new buildings have been on LNG, but again, the, the uh, feeling seems to be that there'll be no one single fuel dominating. Meanwhile, Maersk is staking out a position as a leader in green shipping. The company's first mover advantage has allowed it to get out in front of the line to snap up the still limited supplies of green methanol. Ian told me that Maersk has taken a bet that customers want zero carbon freight products, while MSC was dragged kicking and screaming into alternative fuels. And the other company in the top three, CMA-CGM, has been diversifying. It's now ordered methanol-fueled vessels on top of its significant order book of ships that can run on LNG. Joining the company in booking methanol-powered ships are Asian operators like South Korea's HMM, Singapore's Express Feeders, and the liner units of China Costco Shipping. And some customers are showing demand signals for shipping powered by green fuels. The cargo owners for zero emission vessels, or COSEV, is calling for ships that can run on fuels without greenhouse gas emissions. And a parallel zero emissions buyers alliance has been formed, called Zemba. Madeline Rose is climate campaign director at NGO Pacific Environment, which is part of the Ship at Zero coalition that's aiming to convince major retail brands to commit to zero emission shipping by 2030. I started our conversation by telling her about my count of the container ships currently on order at Yards. First of all, we would say to the owners and operators of those 624 conventional fuel oil ships in the pipeline, please cancel those. We are living in climate crisis. We have seven and a half years to have economy-wide emissions. Every single one of those ships, as you know it, is going to be on the water for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And it is just shameful and a rejection of, of science that anyone would be building new fossil fuel cargo ships today. Many of those ships that will run on conventional fossil fuels are already under construction, so that's likely to be a tough sell. But Rose said the Ship at Zero Coalition is grateful to major companies Amazon, Ikea, Patagonia, and Unilever for their commitments to zero carbon shipping, not to mention the Aspen Institute for its role in bringing together the COSEV and Zemba alliances. Real kudos to the, um, the companies so far that have committed because of you, we have that those 76 methanol ships in the pipeline and it's not enough, but first just want to say thank you. And, you know, let's keep going and let's try to cancel those 624 conventional fuel oil ships. But for Rose, those methanol fueled ships on the order books are just the beginning. She noted that even Maersk has described green methanol as a bridge fuel, and that includes e-methanol made from renewable electricity. Methanol's better than LNG, she said, because that's still a fossil fuel, but it's not the end all be all solution. For Rose, that's wind, batteries, and green hydrogen. Those three technologies currently present challenges. Wind can only reduce consumption of other fuels, not completely replace them. The other two have limited range because batteries can only take a ship so far before they need to be recharged, and green hydrogen tanks require a lot of space because of the fuel's low energy density. But Rose saw promise when Maersk recently said 
Its engineering team was exploring potential retrofits of existing vessels to run on methanol. As long as I've been working on shipping, you know, we have been told that, you know, retrofitting the current fleet will just be too expensive. The engines aren't compatible. It's not possible. But if Maersk is able to show that, in fact, they could retrofit their whole current fleet with methanol, we're going to get, you know, 20 to 30 percent GHG reductions from the current global fleet in the next, you know, this decade, right, in the next six, seven years, if if we actually force the whole industry, right, to, to convert once Maersk shows it's feasible. That gives us a few more years for the true zero emission market to mature. I did find seven container ships on the order book that are being built with battery hybrid propulsion. But in container shipping, the next frontier seems to be ammonia. With both Maersk and MSC involved in early efforts to look at vessel designs and manufacturers preparing to have the first engines ready as early as next year. That's why I wanted to talk to Nick Brown, chief executive of Lloyd's Register, or LR. Brown's Classification Society has been working on a number of collaborations aiming at bringing ammonia fueling safely to shipping. In announcing the new collaboration with MSC, he said ammonia will be crucial to shipping's decarbonization. Unlike green hydrogen, ammonia is dense enough to be a viable fuel for shipping. And Brown told me a key factor is availability. Methanol will play a role in what he described as a multi-fuel future. After all, it's easier to work with than LNG or ammonia. But getting green methanol in sufficient quantities is a challenge. And it's produced from green hydrogen, just like ammonia. The challenge with the methanol is how many ships can actually be powered by green methanol. If we assume our basic building block is a green electron, and from the green electron we make green hydrogen, and from the green hydrogen we can do many things, our view is that it will be much, much cheaper to produce green ammonia than it will be to produce green methanol. Also, methanol and LNG have those carbon atoms. And though carbon capture may eventually help address that, where are you going to store all of that CO2 on board? We're fairly confident the CO2 capturing system on board vessels will work. But we also know that for every ton of fuel oil that we use today, we will create three tons of CO2. So particularly for container ships, that creates a huge challenge in terms of storage space on board, plus landside infrastructure in a busy city port where most container terminals tend to be means that being able to receive significant amounts of CO2 makes CO2 capture probably less suited for container trades than might be, for example, for an oil tanker going to an oil terminal where it might be easy for the shore reception facilities to receive CO2. So uh, ammonia gets us past that challenge. Uh, it means that the ships themselves uh, won't have a carbon molecule on board in their fuel. And of course, the cargo owners behind container shipping have made uh, clear declarations uh, in the form of COZEV and, and others that they uh, intend to only carry their goods on, on net zero vessels from 2040. Therefore, we think it's important to look at ammonia as an option in order to achieve that target. Put it all together, and if the fuel can be safely adopted in shipping, Brown believes the container sector can become a rapid adopter of ammonia as a fuel. And I say if, because we're too early in the process to be highly confident that we can solve all of these challenges. They're not small challenges, and we'll need a lot of testing and a lot of stakeholders around the table 
to ensure we've considered all of the potential challenges and risks. Once those challenges overcome, are you saying then that you think ammonia, you know, could be the dominant fuel? I do. I think it could be. If we can prove ammonia shipping is safe because of its energy density, because of the fact that it doesn't include a carbon molecule, I do think it could become the dominant fuel, uh, especially for vessels that are going on fixed routes with known port calls in advance. And it's easier for, therefore, long-term fuel supply agreements to be put in place in key strategic location. But there's a reason why Madeline Rose at Pacific Environment did not include ammonia on her list of the end-all, be-all, zero-carbon fuel technologies. There are two big ifs with ammonia, safety and other emissions associated with burning the fuel. Pacific Environment and the Ship at Zero campaign are concerned about ammonia. We are concerned that there are just unknowns about the impacts of ammonia spills on marine wildlife and on marine ecosystems. You know, our marine wildlife are already suffering. Ships are striking, you know, whales. We are seeing coral depleted through climate crisis. You know, our, our ocean is absorbing more heat than it ever has in recorded human history. The idea that we would, you know, the shipping industry because of its relentless pursuit to perpetual growth would say, hey, let's just throw another risk in there. And, you know, who knows what would happen if there's an ammonia spill to, you know, dolphins and other incredible marine creatures, but like, we need to move these goods. We're not comfortable with that. We don't believe it's the best that human innovation has to give us. Plus, ammonia is not a zero emissions fuel. Burning ammonia produces nitrogen compounds that have their own environmental harms. Our hope is that the clean energy transition encourages and brings out the best in our society and says, hey, let's actually leverage this transformative moment in the human experience to create true zero solutions that are safe and healthy and win-win-wins. For Rose, ammonia just doesn't seem like a real transformative solution. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. As the International Maritime Organization continues deliberations on a more ambitious decarbonization target and potentially putting a price on greenhouse gas emissions, the Green Seas newsletter looked at the efforts to persuade nations that are currently hesitant about these measures to see the opportunities that clean fuel production has for the developing world. Trading giant Trafigura issued a white paper showing that the Global South could play a major role in providing the world with e-fuels made from renewable electricity. And a report from the International Chamber of Shipping agreed, noting that these nations will need support from the international community to capitalize on this opportunity. Sign up for the newsletter at tinyurl.com slash greenseas. My colleague Paul Barrell reported on a Louis Dreyfus row-row vessel on charter to Airbus that has been testing a sea-wing kite system. The Ville de Bordeaux has proven that the kite can pull the ship on its transatlantic route between France and the U.S. Now, the goal is to show that the vessel can use the kite's dynamic flying to reduce fuel consumption by 20%. Read these stories at tradewindsnews.com. Music for this episode is by Playsound from Pixabay.